What is going on, everybody? You're listening to Trail Tales, the podcast. I'm your host, Kyle O'Grady. And yeah, you're about to hear the very first episode of Trail Tales. It's my very first interview. Right now I'm recording my very first introduction. I don't really know what the hell I'm doing, but eh, I'm just going to wing it. Um, So I hiked the Appalachian Trail this past summer. I started on May 14th and finished on October 1st. And our guest today, Cameron Smike, otherwise known as Indy, was uh, somebody that I hiked with for pretty much the entire second half of the Appalachian Trail. Uh, We got to know each other pretty well, and uh, I'm super stoked that he was willing to be the first guest on this uh, little podcast that I'm trying to make here. Um, We talk about a lot of cool things, everything thru-hiking related, obviously. We talk about the mental aspect of thru-hiking. We talk about some of the sketchy situations that Indy found himself in while he was hiking. Um, Talk about gear. We pretty much cover it all. Well, we don't really cover it all, but, you know, we tried. It was fun. It was a good chat. Um, I'm going to stop bullshitting. We're going to get into the episode here in just a second. Uh, But first, I just wanted to say that if you liked the show, you want to get in touch with me, you want to talk some shit, whatever it is, I'm pretty easy to contact. You can reach me at trailtalespod at gmail.com if you want to shoot me a message there. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at trailtalespod, same handle as the email. Um, So yeah, hit me up, talk some shit, do what you got to do. I don't know. Never done a podcast before. I don't really know what I'm doing, so... If you got any advice, anything, my ears are open. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. The very first episode of Trail Tales with Cameron Smike, Appalachian Trail Class of 2018. Okay, we're doing it. This is my first podcast ever. Um, I'm here with Cameron Smike, otherwise known as Indy. I'm probably going to refer to him as Indy because, I mean, we met on the trail and that's just kind of how, that's just kind of what I know him by, I guess. So yeah, the alter ego. Yeah, that's right. It's it's kind of weird, like, referring to, like, you and, like, uh, Flossie and Mike as their real names because I'm, I'm sure as other thru-hikers that hear this can relate, it's just, like, when you meet someone on the trail, you know them by their trail name and, like, that is their name. It's so weird. Anyways, we're here with Cameron. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. I know we had a little bit of uh, trouble getting connected last night, and uh, you know I appreciate you taking the time. So, all right, let's jump right into it. So the first thing I wanted to talk about with you, Cam, Indy, whatever, I'm probably going to use them interchangeably. Um, yeah, it's is, cool. I did the same with Flossie when we were back in Maine. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. So starting in May, so... Most people who hike the Appalachian Trail start in either March or April, would you say? Yeah. We met mostly people from April, but, um, I mean, there's definitely... We started catching up with people from March, for sure, at the end. Yeah. So, but we both started um, in May. Indy Cameron started on uh, May 12th, right? Yep, May 12th. Yeah, and I started on May 14th, so we started around the same time. And um, a mid-May start date like that is pretty late compared to most people, uh, like we just said. So um, I guess the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about was just um, how that late May start date affected the hike. You know, did you ever have doubts about making it in time? Um, I personally never had had doubts, but uh, definitely was confronted by people with who, who doubted me. But um I really enjoyed starting in May. I mean, you avoid that whole cold spurt, uh, the end end of winter, early spring. Uh, I hiked the March, uh, I hiked the Georgia section in March a few years ago, and uh, that that uh, we got like three inches, four inches of snow one night. It was freezing rain the other day, so I kind of figured that was not what I wanted to do again. So, uh, well, like most people who start in March, I graduated uh, in May, early May. So it was like kind of cool just being around other college graduates hiking. Um, it seems seems like most people who started then, like that was kind of their boat that they were in. So I mean, we all got along. Everybody kind of was had to move. You had to hustle to get to Katahdin in time. So um, I mean, I never really had any doubts, but it was nice. I thought it was nice avoiding that cold weather. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, like I said, I started around the same time, and I probably wouldn't have done it any differently, honestly. Um, yeah. 
However, we definitely did have to hustle. I don't know about you, but for the pretty much the whole first half of the trail, all the way up to, say, Harper's Ferry, I was um, definitely, it, it was in the back of my mind that I was on a little bit of a time crunch. I had a couple people ask me about that, but nobody ever really told me or implied that I wasn't going to make it in time. If I recall, though, we've had a couple conversations before where you said that there were a couple people who were potentially doubting you. Not necessarily like saying I wasn't going to make it, but they were just like hesitant to like give me credit or like acknowledge that I was going to make it. They were just like basically just section hikers first started in the Smoky Mountains. They were just like, oh, wait till you get up north, this and that. And I was like, man, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, oh, man, it was just they were like, oh, you have no idea what's like what's what it's like up there. And I was just like, so like, I don't know. You just take it day by day. And it's, it is what it is. Yeah. But, yeah. Like I said, I never really had anybody that doubted me, but I was really hoping that somebody would because like even before I started, I mean, I was very motivated to make it the whole way. Um, I didn't want to flip flop. Yeah. And I was hoping that somebody would have came up to me and doubted me, doubted that I was going to be able to make it in time because what I was going to do is I was going to get their email address and then I was going to take a picture of myself on top of Katahdin when I finished with uh, with my metal fingers out <laughs> yeah. pointed right at them just to, just, to, just to prove it to them. That's a good uh, idea. In hindsight, I think I might have been taking it a little too seriously, but I oh, think it yeah. would have been funny. No, I mean, that's our li- like, I mean, that's your livelihood when you're out there. You got that's like the That's your main goal. People go against it, man. That sucks. It's like, yeah. it's like one of the worst things, you know, it's going to be negativity out there. But we both made it all the way, so yeah. any of the naysayers can fuck right off. <laughs> yeah, straight up. They don't know what it's like. All right, so, so far so good. Slowly learning how to interview here. Um, so I guess we can kind of transition into some of, I mean, everyone who does a through hike's got some stories, right? Yeah. Um, some some good stories, some bad score stories, some some sketchy shit goes down sometimes. So I was gonna ask you about some of the more sketchy situations that you may have encountered, like you know, sketchy people, sketchy hitches, sketchy weather. And this isn't to imply that hiking the Appalachian Trail is dangerous or sketchy at all, because um, it's really not for the vast, vast, vast majority of the time. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. You take a four or five month stretch of your life, no matter what you're doing, you're going to have a couple sketchy situations. So anyways, why don't we talk about that? I know you've got a couple sketchy hitchhiking situations and some other stuff that went down. Just a lot of people in the mountains are crazy fucking drivers, just regardless if they're sober (laughs) or they're not. Like even if you get a sober driver, these people just fly around these turns like and they're like swerving in lanes, like even if they're sober. Like I don't even know if that's just how how everybody does the time it out in the there. Back of a like, pickup truck too. Yeah, it's crazy. But then you get a really drunk driver, and then it's just oh man, shit just gets insane. But you don't want to like you don't know how long you're gonna be standing there for, so you don't want to just just turn him down and kind of look <laughs> a gift horse in the mouth. Like you don't want to be that guy. But like there's this one time when I was in uh let's see I was in Hampton, Tennessee. And we were just, me and my friend were standing outside. Where were we at? Uh, hmm. It was the Great Great Divide or something. Host, fucking, I don't even know. Some free campground. It was an awesome place. Dividing Ridge? Dividing Ridge. That's what it was called. Yeah, awesome place. I would, I would recommend that. Um, just for donation kind of camp place, camp stop. Um, but, uh. Yeah, we were hitching outside of there and to get, try to get trying to get to McDonald's, you know, where everybody tries to go. And uh, <laughs> this guy pulls up in his like rickety pickup truck. Uh, me and my friend are like, "All right, let's hop in." Like, we have no other option, so we hop in. And this guy just cracks four locos and gives them to us. And uh, it was oh, just man. like kind of put us on the put me on the spot. I could tell he was wasted, but like he already cracked it. How was I not supposed to drink it? It was like that kind of situation. <laughs> like you can't just tell them like, "Oh, I'm getting out of the car" because you need to get there. But well, we didn't actually need to get there, but we needed McDonald's for sure. That wasn't a question. So took the ride, a crazy ride into town. Um, I actually drank that four loco in the time it took to get to the McDonald's, so I was lit. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of <laughs> what happens in certain situations. I had another one kind of like that, but it was up in Maine. Um, drunk driver pulls over. 
Except this guy didn't have four loco. He had peppermint schnapps. Um, so yeah, that was that sucked. I kind of had to take a couple swigs of that. Didn't have to, but um, I mean, I wasn't gonna insult the guy, especially when he's wasted. He also pulled up with like a freaking pistol, loaded Glock with like another loaded magazine next to it. So oh man, that was sketchy. He just like shuffles it into the back seat, and you just like hop in, hop in. I'll give you a ride into town, and then like. We were driving into town. He's just swerving, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna die on trail, not even on the trail, like off the trail. Like, how anticlimactic is that? <laughs> like, that would just suck. I mean, I'd, I'd want to be struck by lightning or something at least, like something kind of crazy, but <laughs> yeah, something a little more natural, not just like driving in a car. I could just do that here in Detroit. I don't need to do uh, down on the trail. So, but um. I made it and really sucked because once I got to the grocery store, the guy was like, oh, I can wait for you and all this. And then had to stop and get more liquor on oh, the way man. back to drop me off at the trail. And it was, yeah, it was a scary ride, but, you know, I made it. Probably probably should have avoided it, but. You made it, yeah. You know, that was actually the day I was trying to catch up to you guys. Um, so I didn't want to wait around. It was already getting late, starting to get dark. Yeah, I was on a mission. So that's just where things fell into line. I will say that. I did not have a single drunk driver the entire yeah. trail. So if you're hearing this, don't think that you're like going to definitely get a drunk driver. Um, it's not like a guarantee or anything like that. It's it's definitely uncommon. I really only heard a couple stories from people, and uh, Indy just happened to have two. I think, like I said, I didn't have any. So don't let that dissuade you. You can always say no, but I guess when you pull up to the car, you can kind of you know scope it out a little bit. It should be pretty obvious um personally i don't yeah. know if i would have taken that ride but again when you're like standing there on the side of the road you got to get into town it's tough it's tough um how about like any notable like uh sketchy weather anything like that anything um weather Ooh, lots of sketchy weather actually not as much as i there was some bad bad times but um really just rain there wasn't like yeah there were some crazy thunderstorms, but I mean, that's luckily there's shelters out there. That's always nice. You could stop in if it's like actually gets really bad. But um, just the rain, I guess starting, the rain is horrible. Uh, starting when May, so like the end of May, early June, all through North Carolina, it rained like four, like two weeks straight, at least like one part during the day or night. Like maybe not every day, but like at one point it was raining. That was tiresome. And then, like, all the way through, that kind of stopped uh, or held off, started to taper off once we got to, uh, through the Smokies and into Virginia. Um, then Virginia was nice but hot, man. The heat, that'll just take everything out of you. Um, I mean, just dealing with that day to day, especially in Virginia where it's kind of drier and things aren't, there aren't as many water sources. Like, that yep. was a pain. Um, I actually suffered from heat or heat exhaustion and dehydration yeah. like when I was in Glasgow. Yeah, that knocked me off the trail for a while, and that was all because of the heat. Um, I mean, it was also I was also drinking a little bit here and there, but I think it was mostly just me just sweating bullets out there uh, going over Apple. I think it was Apple Orchard Mountain. It's like a 29 mile stretch, and I did it in 24 hours, but just it was like a hundred degree day. A night hike started doing it at night the night before, and it was still like 98 degrees, like when the sun was down, something stupid. And then going up that thing was just like epic. And then that was a big climb for Virginia too. Yeah, that was like I think that was that was the toughest one of my toughest days on the whole trail. I mean, I was dehydrated, so I mean that'll just make any day difficult. But yeah, man, I was slaving through that one. Holy crap! I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna die, but I almost kind of did. Um, luckily there is like two police officers for whatever reason at the at the road so that just like I mean if they weren't there I don't know what I would have done my phone was dead um, there were people around me but I wouldn't have been able to stand up next to the road for long enough to get to a hospital or like like I was I was like on the I was like right before like what is it heat stroke I was like literally probably within half hour so like if I didn't get inside somewhere air conditioned and drink liters of water within a half hour i could have been toast like who knows i was at that point but now for anybody listening to this that's thinking about hiking the trail in the future stay um, hydrated. how would you recommend <laughs> they kind of go go through situations uh 
like like that where the the heat and humidity is really bad i mean yeah it's easier said than done i mean especially to it all depends on how many miles you're hiking i mean that was like a 29 mile really difficult day in 100 degree heat would i do that again like hell no um you got i mean but that's what you live and learn like i would have not i wouldn't wouldn't recommend anybody do that i mean i guess stay hydrated keep your pack light um that'll better your chances of being able to do something like that but um just in days Maybe like you avoid that, the booze too <laughs> especially on days like that <laughs> but uh yeah for i mean sure. you can't you can't really plan for stuff like that you can drink a ton of water but it depends how much you sweat i mean everybody's different i sweat a shit ton and like i was i mean we'd hike with Flossie, and he wouldn't really sweat that much but i'd be like just like buckets so like i mean everybody everybody's body's different so i mean you just got to know your body if you, I mean, if you're like me, I probably wouldn't hike anything past like 93, 94 degrees in that kind of humidity. Like I'd probably just not hike. But um, like that's yeah. what we kind of started doing once we got to New York. We had those heat waves. And once it got up to like 95, like we were out, like we were done. We hiked like those short days. You just can't, you just can't go any further. Yeah, it's just point. not worth it. Like it's like I can just do that, like <laughs> do it later. We'll get those miles done later. I was the same way as you in that I sweat probably more than normal and uh i remember because you just brought up flossy a second ago and how he wouldn't sweat that much uh, just for context indy and i hiked with flossy pretty much from central pennsylvania all the way to the end pretty much so that's about half the trail and yeah there would be on these hot days indy and i would both be just drenched head to toe i mean literally like we had jumped Stop in a it. lake like I, I could wring out my shorts like your clothes so just don't even dry it's too humid for that. Like you just constantly sweat. And Flossie would roll up, and he would like hardly even be sweating. And it really fucking pissed me <laughs> yeah, off. I'm being honest, because I was like, he he would like come up. I'm like, dude, you're not even <laughs> yeah. sweating. What the hell? <laughs> but he's yeah. I mean, it's hard for everybody. But yeah, I wish I didn't sweat so much. Yeah, me too. And it's crazy how quick the weather turned too. Because I remember you were a couple days behind us at this point, but. In our last, like, two days in Vermont, um, it was cold, man. Or, uh, excuse me, it wasn't cold. It was really hot. It was, again, heat wave, super humid. And then the next couple days after that, it got really freaking cold again. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was kind of surprising, like, just how quickly the weather turned. I mean, I went from hiking with no shirt on because it was just too hot to, I mean, being bundled up as much as I could at night. Uh, just because the weather turns so quickly, it's it's pretty crazy how that can all work. Yeah, bipolar weather out there for sure. All right, so I think <laughs> we're kind of making this hike sound like awful. It was not awful. It was I think Indy will agree. It was probably the the most fun we've ever had in our life. <laughs> so why don't we talk about um, some things that are a little less uh, negative, I guess. Um, yeah. So let's let's do let's do gear for now because everyone likes to talk about gear. I could talk about gear for fucking hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I love gear. So my gear kind of sucks, but I like looking at other people. <laughs> so I was gonna ask you about that. So um, you had a pretty heavy pack. I would say um, go through like what you have and then um, what you would do differently uh, in the future on another through hike. Yeah, I do a lot of things differently. Um, for sure, first off, I'd start by getting an ultralight uh, shelter, like whatever kind of shelter you use, get an ultralight one. Uh, I, yeah, I could do like a pound or two on, on my hammock. It was like around four pounds of Hennessy hammock, um, Asylum. But uh, I could have easily just spent the extra like 40, 50 bucks and gotten the ultralight, which is half the weight. That would have been very nice. Um, also, I had... Well, when I started backpacking, I didn't really know much about anything, so I would I just went to REI and just had them kind of like tell me what they thought was good or like what I needed. And honestly, like they all just didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. <laughs> now that I've hiked a decent amount, I know uh, I got like the the Baltoro seventy five. While it's like really nice and durable, it's just too much. Really, I mean, it does have nice pockets and it does have a come with a a. Uh, what do they call them? Day pack and also a uh, a bag cover, but I mean, you don't need all that space. At least I definitely didn't. Uh, in the midsummer, I was probably it was only less than half full. I was probably carrying like thirty liters worth of gear. So like, I mean, it was kind of nice. Once we got a little colder, I had more room for like because most of my stuff is bulky. I mean, I guess my hammock's bigger. 
could I, could I use a smaller hammock, a smaller sleeping bag? I have like an 18 degree bag the whole time, even in the summer. Um, I could have gotten rid of that. And like, if I just had like a four, like a 55, 50 degree bag and a liner or something, um, I don't know. I could have really cut back and that's what I plan on doing in the future, but you know, it's going to take time and money. But, um, yeah, I mean, definitely you could just get the lightest stuff possible. Right. Right. At the start, I mean, I had 40 to 45 pounds of gear and my, like I, I started doing like 20 mile days, but like once I lost that 15 first, like 15 to 20 pounds, like I lost like 15 to 20 pounds worth of gear. And then I was just like twenties were came easy. So, I mean, and that's, that's big miles and you add it up over time. I mean, and just like less stress on your body, which is the biggest part of, I mean, the most important thing to hiking, uh, at least, yeah, like st- stable hiking, like comfortable hiking. You know, no one likes to be out there fucking aching, bending over. It just hurts. Like, yeah, it sucks. So you just mentioned that you sent, uh, what, what did you say, like 15, 20 pounds worth of gear home uh, over the course of the hike? Or just hiker boxed it. I didn't send it all home. Yeah, yeah, okay. So can you just talk about some of like the items that you started out with that you ended up getting rid of, things you, you found that you didn't actually need? Um, first off, I got rid of my battery, my external battery packs. Uh, most hike, I, th- I feel like everybody, every hiker I met had one or two of those things, and I didn't have one. Um, for, I don't know, I just keep my phone in airplane mode and kind of like would work out. I'd be able to get to town and charge it up. But I mean, I guess a lot of people do a lot of editing and stuff. So um, but that's the, probably the, that's the first thing I ditched. And those things are actually surprisingly pretty heavy, um, especially if you're carrying two of them, which I saw some people doing. And it's like, damn, <laughs> it's a, that's a lot of weight right there just for batteries. Yeah, I had, I had one and I carried it the whole way. Although there was, eh, I'm, I'm kind of torn on whether or not I would bring it again because there definitely were times that I like used it, but there was also right. like a lot of stretches where I didn't. I also had two cell phones, which is a whole yeah. other story. You had so. the light, you had the lights, light gear set up though. So I mean, you had the the room for that. Yeah, like if I had those things, mine I would just put. I don't know, just I don't need that. I gear way too much to begin with. So what were some of the other things that you uh, sent home to shed some weight? Um, clothes, unnecessary socks, uh, shirts. You, I, I just carried one pair. Eventually, just one pair of clothes pretty much like one pair of socks in the middle of the summer. You don't even, I didn't even sleep with anything. I mean, it's so hot that you're just like, whatever you have is fine. Um, and then let's see it. So clothes I sent home a bunch of like just stupid little trinkets. I thought I'd need, um, <laughs> just like, let's see. I can't even really think of one, like a flashlight. I didn't need that. I already had a headlamp. Um, yeah like i don't know i had shit that i just like (laughs) you just think you need and you just don't i mean on that long of a hike uh there was my camelback i ditched that that was annoying i switched up my whole water filtration system my like i switched from like a pump a water pump to a uh sawyer and that was that was really nice these guys i was hiking with in georgia just actually gave me their sawyer when they were done with their section uh shout out to justin um He's if he's gonna listen to this, uh, and then yeah, that was that was really convenient. You could just fill up your bottles uh, from any water source and just drink right from the filter. That's what I did. Um, I figured out if I, the, my O ring actually came off, and I actually found I liked that better because then it allowed airflow, so you could suck through the filter without the water bottle closing. So um, that was pretty nice. It does spill and drip a little bit, but you know it's just something you deal with for convenience. And then that, yeah, that's better than the pumps. I mean, the pumps are nice if you have like lakes, like in Michigan here, like a lot of, like you're going to be hiking around lakes. And I mean, I guess you can just have a hard plastic bottle, but if you don't have that rigid, you know, rigid volume or whatever, it's not going to fill up. If you just hold it under a lake, you need for that. But um, yeah, you could always just have a water bottle and a Sawyer and it works. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I did too. Um, I think... If, if anybody's hiked on the Appalachian Trail listening to this, or the or most backpacking trails for that matter, you're probably familiar with the Sawyer filter, um, the little blue one that you screw. Most people screw right on the uh, top of their water bottle, uh, which is definitely the most common, I would say universally, piece sure. of gear. 
that, that everybody I saw uses. on the entire yeah. trail. I would say well over half of the people that I saw. Yeah, Sawyer's definitely uh, got a monopoly on the filter market right now. Let's see who who's going to be the next water filtration system to challenge it. I know, right? I'm thinking someone's probably going to. I mean, I'm, I, I probably sound stupid because I'm sure there already are like other solutions yeah, out there that are similar. That <laughs> may, maybe they'll become popular, maybe not. But right now, uh, Sawyer's definitely uh, got the market for water filters yeah. on lockdown. You could always do iodine or chlorine tabs, but that's just... Or the Aquamira, yeah. But you don't get that fresh mountain spring water. This is the best. And plus, I like to just drink right out of my water bottle. Like I've used uh, the iodine tablets before, and like they work, but... I never liked waiting to drink my water. Like, I'm out of water stars. I just want to fucking drink it right there. You know, I'm thirsty. I don't want to wait around yeah. for that. So oh, yeah. You can just drink right out of the bottle if you've got the filter on top. Yeah. It lo- you lose patience pretty quick. At least I did. Oh, yeah. It's funny. It's funny how... Uh, the water now. Yeah, pretty much. You get, uh, you get pretty impatient about stuff. Um, so, we both used hammocks. Now, I love, love, love hammocks. Uh, we actually both have Hennessy hammocks. I think Hennessy is an awesome, awesome brand. We did have different yeah. models, but um, I think we can kind of both attest to how awesome those hammocks were. Uh, do you want to just like uh, talk a little bit about that? Um, did you were there ever any situations where you wish you hadn't had a hammock? Maybe um, I don't. There's yeah, a couple just, times just I do wish I that. didn't have a hammock. At least an option not to hammock. I guess you could always cowboy camp, but um, I didn't. I never even cowboy camped once. I never really got into that but uh just like i mean you can't stay there's a ton of balds like grassy balds in the south you know like wire bald big bald uh beauty spot there's a ton of them in north carolina and uh the whole roan highlands pretty much was bald and i mean those spots uh it would i would have loved to like just set up a tent and just like camp on top you get a nice starry night or something i mean i guess the most time most when I was hiking through that those sections, it was raining, but um, there was like a day or a night or two where you could have. But um, I mean, that's one reason it's nice to have a tent. You get that option. But I mean, there's nothing better than just a shady spot under some trees and setting up your hammock. Like, I mean, it's so comfortable. Right. You can't beat it. Like, there's so many times where I would get in my hammock at the end of the day. You know, all my chores are done, bear bags hung, brush my teeth. You know, everything's squared away for the night. And I would lay down, I would, you know, get settled, you know, get the sleeping bag up and everything. And I would just lay there and I would think, how the hell is it possible to be this comfortable in the middle of the freaking woods? It's yeah, insane. right. Those, those, those things are, hammocks are, hammocks are the shit, that's for sure. They're great. It's so good. Um, the Hennessy ones, they got the built-in bug net too, so you don't even have to worry about yep, setting yep. that up. It's just all one set up. Um, so super quick. Uh comfortable mine actually you enter from the bottom so you don't even have to really you can just i would just like pee out it at night so i wouldn't have to get up <laughs> uh that was always nice just kind of make nice. sure make sure your crocs aren't in the way because otherwise it would get a little pee on those but you know you're already dirty so uh <laughs> sometimes that happens oh my god um but yeah the hammock is it's the greatest life for sure and then plus it's just a little cooler but highly recommend five to ten degrees cooler in it just even on a hot day, just because of the breeze. So, I mean, that was always nice. But then again, it also is colder in the winter, which we kind of had to deal with towards the end. Um, yep. Towards the, Once we got up north, it started to get down to close to freezing at nights. Um, so, I mean, but then there's the shelters we could always hop in if we really didn't want to set up. Which is what we did most of the time. Yeah, for the last, like, 10 days, we pretty much strictly sheltered it up. Um, and that was something I didn't do pretty much the whole trail, but... Yeah, I was in the same boat. I did um I did sleep in my hammock on I think it was like our third to last night or second to last night. Uh, when we were at um it was the third to last night and we were at the Antlers campground in the Hunter. Oh yeah, wilderness. yeah, yeah. That was a nice and cozy night. Yeah, I I had picked up an extra sleeping pad at that point, so I had a little bit more uh, insulation underneath me. Yeah, that's that's like the only way you can do it really. I mean it gets cold. Or an underquilt. But yeah, or an that's underquilt. expensive. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't have that. I actually started the trail. I had nothing. I literally just had a hammock and a raincoat. So, wait, you had a sleeping bag though, right? Yeah, I had a sleeping bag. True. Yes, I did have a sleeping bag, but it was still like <laughs> low forties and very cold, like wet. Yeah, it was a little chilly at the beginning. I remember some guy just gave me the uh, 
gave me his jungle leopard that he just didn't need anymore and that saved saved the day for me when i was in north carolina jungle so, leopard what's that yeah it's a jungle leopard it's just it's kind of like a z or uh what is it the the z light oh the oh so that was just that blue pad you were carrying yeah just the blue pad yeah it's jungle leopard though um honestly it could be more comfortable but i think they're pretty cheap i actually don't know because i got it for free um so it's pretty cheap for me but uh yeah pretty solid i guess if you want something like just a nice thin layer, layer but and i use the i use the uh the z light the thermos z light it's... yeah the z light definitely has more padding but still not the most comfortable thing when you're sleeping on the ground but i mean it got the job done i was in the yeah. hammock most of the time anyway so yeah. it didn't really matter too much um all right so one thing that i spent a lot of time uh kind of preparing for before i left for the hike was um not so much the physical aspect of hiking i mean i did some training but i was really more concerned with i guess just the mental aspect so making sure that I was ready to go, making sure I was prepared to kind of undertake this like huge challenge of living in the woods for four to five months. I mean, that's, that's pretty fucking crazy. So I guess I kind of want to talk to you about that a little bit. It's always nice to get like someone else's uh, perspective on just like the mental aspect of through hiking. So um, I guess to start out, did you think, what were your expectations, I guess? Um, and did you think the trail was at the, at the end of the day? Did you think the through hike was like easier, harder, or the same as kind of how you expected before you left? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, let's see. At the beginning of the trail, I never really doubted myself in being able to do it. But then again, I had no fucking clue what I was gonna was about to do. Like I thought I did <laughs> when I was going down there. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go down there get to Georgia, and it's gonna be like because I already hiked the Georgia section, so I kind of like thought I knew. But like once I did the Georgia section, I, w- I was like, holy shit, like this is the farthest I've gone now. And like this is going to be, this is like life from now on. And, like you look at the map and you're like, holy fuck, how the hell am I going to get there? So far. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then it's, I mean, eventually, like once you hit like mid Virginia, most people say like Virginia blues and all this. But for me, that was still like kind of the beginning of my hike. So I was still like grooving at that time. I wasn't really in Virginia blues in there, but um, I actually met up with like a pretty, I made like a pretty solid crew there. And I mean, we were just kind of having some fun, chilling, not really hiking big miles, as big of miles as I wanted. So I kind of pushed ahead. Um, so I wasn't really, I didn't really have any trouble in Virginia. It was just, I mean, I don't know, mentally, there was definitely times I wanted to quit, um, times I'd felt down and out i mean you're hiking every day for fucking four and a half months like you can't have it you're not gonna have you don't have good days at home every day you're not gonna have good days out there every day it's not even possible but i mean relative to like how it is at home i fucking loved it would i do it again yeah in a heartbeat um but yeah no you're definitely some rough days out there especially when i was let's see massachusetts i had a really low time just kind of got sick of just hiking you know like you want to you want to hike and get further but you don't want to do the hiking to get further Mm -hmm. um and that kind of sucked but i mean then the next day comes and then you wake up and you feel fresh thankfully thanks to the hammock i don't know if i did a 10 i probably wouldn't woke up as fresh every day but um yeah you'd wake up fresh ready to go and then that day is better i normally never had like two horrible days in a row that that would never really happen but Every week I'd have like one or two. Yeah, I never really had like two like, God, fuck, I don't want to be out here again. But it was always like one day, just a day. It was like you go yep. to bed just thinking to yourself like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, why am I here? Uh, but, you know, it comes and it came and went. So Right, right. I know Um, for me, the way I pushed through those tough days was I always reminded myself that sounds so cliche, but I would always remind myself that it was going to get better, right? Like you said, usually no more than a day or two that are bad in a row. So even though you're dealing with something shitty right now, you're fucking soaked or your knee's hurting or whatever, you just got to remind yourself, hey, I just got to get through it and um, it, it will get better. And it always did. Yeah. It always did. I mean, obviously we were both able to push the whole way, so. Yeah. The, uh, I was just going to say that pushing into Southern Maine, uh after i met up with you guys i mean we 
I took those, I took like three or four zeros in Rutland and I had to push like pretty big mile days to catch up, try to catch up to you guys. Cause I didn't want to summit by myself. Like I didn't really, I didn't been hiking by myself for like two months at that point. We'd been like cruising since Pennsylvania. So like, I was just like, Hey, I was so used to that. And then to just be hiking by myself again. Uh, and then just like re-seeing people I'd already passed was just like, Oh man, it was tough. So I like had to push those miles and that was the drag. Like that was, because I didn't know how far ahead you guys were. And I was just like, I, am I even getting closer? Is it worth pushing these miles? Because you just don't, you don't really know. Like we talk to each other like once a week, but a lot can happen and a lot of miles can happen in those weeks. So, I mean, then another one, once I caught up to you guys in Gorham, then after that, we hit the, like, I did the Wildcats and then hit the big, the toughest section of the whole trail. And it was just like, I was down and out there. That was, that was tough. But then, I mean, I caught up to you guys in stratton yeah that section from i would say from the main border to grafton notch um from the main new hampshire border uh, north to grafton notch it's probably i think it's about a 14 mile section because we did it in one day for sure that was fucking hard that was that was in my opinion the hardest section of the whole trail because first of all you hit the mahusik notch which is very famous part of the trail um and that's that's tough obviously it's just a about a mile just a grinder of just rock scrambling boulders i put my tre- or my uh, trekking poles like in my pack i was like i can't even like have these poles in my hand going through here because i mean we're just, just like yeah i i actually used mine for the first like three-fourths of it and then i put them away and only had like 10 more minutes of hiking and i was like why did i even have those things out this whole time like <laughs> god and i fucking ate shit so many times like twice not so many times but oh man it was dangerous man that's for sure i don't i don't understand how i ha- like i see some people i'm just like how how do you, I don't know how are you gonna get through? Yeah, <laughs> how did you get through like, that? <laughs> oh man, I yeah, I had trouble. That's for sure. And then going back to that fourteen mile stretch there that the Mahusik Notch is in, that's not even like the end. Like that that's not the the Mahusik Notch isn't like the only reason that stretch is so tough because you also have to deal with the arm. Then. The next day, going up over bald pate, the bald pate coming down bald pate is just fucking treacherous. Like, I think that whole section, like until you get to Grafton Notch, yeah, until you get to like Grafton Notch, then it gets a, a little. Actually, bald pate's after Grafton Notch, so I yeah, the whole just until yeah. I don't even know Rangeley or something, like Andover. That was definitely the hardest stretch of the whole trail. I think. I mean, the the whites were really tough too, but something about the whites was like just kind of not super difficult, but like. You're just you're just looking around just like holy shit so like i don't know i didn't really have trouble with the whites i was just more on cloud nine walking through there but southern maine things got real like because at that point you've already gone through the whites you just yeah. finished the whites so the kind i guess the i don't know the the cloud nine like you said like that that whole like rush has worn off right so at this point yeah. you're just like okay i'm kind of done with all this like steep climbing and descending down these slick rock faces yeah when i was down south starting the trail people would talk about the whites as being the most difficult part of the trail and we kind of they would hesitate to mention southern maine i heard it a couple times but more people would just say the whites so like when i got there i was like oh this isn't as bad as everybody made it out to be but then i got to southern maine and was like well, why was everybody talking up the whites like this shit's oh man just the rock scrambling is and like the just random rock faces you'd have to climb who fucking put this here like i don't even know it's tough yeah for me it was weird because i'd actually hiked a lot in the whites before i even did the appalachian trail i'd done uh, all 48 of the 4000 foot peaks in the whites but going through on a through hike was a lot different because when i did all the uh when i was peak bagging all the uh the 4000 footers most of the time i was going up with a day pack right so I didn't have all that extra weight on my on my back while I was like going up and down these freaking steep ass right. uh, cliffs and stuff. So I actually was not worried about the whites at all going into them, just because I was so familiar with them already. But uh, I was kind of surprised at how much uh, how much the whites in oh, Southern yeah. Maine especially kicked my ass. It was tough, especially after going through all the pretty easy trail all the way up from you know Central Virginia up to Massachusetts, really. Is, is a pretty easy pretty easy part of the trail so it was tough for sure all right so let's talk a little bit about kind of your post through hike adjustment right so how are you feeling physically how are you feeling mentally um 
were I guess while you were still on the trail at the very end, did you experience like any sort of uh, anxiety or were you anxious about kind of your plans after the hike? Did any of that affect you? Just kind of talk a little bit about the the post through hike adjustment. Post through hike kind of sucks for sure. Um, you know, I wish I could still be out there and I want to still be out there, but um, it's kind of like my body can't handle it right now for sure. Um, maybe if I kept hiking and didn't take a break at all, my body could handle it. But like, I feel like I gave myself just rheumatoid arthritis already. Oh boy. <laughs> like, I, I can barely like, it's that it's bad. Really. I don't know. Yeah, dude, it's bad. Like my knees just going up and down stairs. I have to take my time. I can't really just, damn. Just and you're still walk up and down. You're still feeling the effects. I mean, at this point we're oh, 17 dude. days from when we yeah, both we're summited. 17 days out and I'm still crawling around. Like it, it's painful. Like I, I, yeah, it sucks. I feel uh, for you because I'm not experiencing any of that. I feel pretty good. If yeah, I'm that's being honest. crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I just, I, yeah, I definitely put some damage on my joints. I feel like it's definitely gotten better. Like the first week, like after a week, I couldn't even like, I was put, put just pushing all my weight on like a hand railing to get downstairs. But um, yeah, but now it's now it's definitely getting better. I bet after a month. I'll be able to start doing like some light jogging and stuff. But right now I, yeah, I thought I about ask, it. Like, have you, have you done any exercise? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. I should, I mean, I should do like light jogging or something, but like I can barely move right now. It's hard. Damn, like, man. I think that's even too much. Yeah. Maybe some stretches, some yoga, but yeah, just to stretch out. I think feel like all my, my muscles are just so tight. Yeah. No, I definitely put, did some damage to my bones, <laughs> not my bones, but my, uh, my joints. Um, maybe my bones too. Who who knows? <laughs> like, again, I, I don't want that to dissuade anybody from through hiking. Like I said, nah, it's worth it. It's so fun. Yeah, he feels fine. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna destroy yourself. So don't don't let that uh, dissuade you. Um, how do your how do your feet feel? My feet, uh, they're still like the bottoms of them are still like numb. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like like just like hard cat feet. Like you know, they just like. You get, they, you get to like watch them because they can't feel anything on the bottoms of their feet. Like, yeah, they're mine like the same <laughs> way. Like, I, I remember while hiking, I'd wake up with a bunch of like, you know, I had like a bug bite or something on my foot and all the skin would just be gone from it. And I'd have no idea why, but it's like, just like I'd be lightly scratching it and just taking off all the skin because I wish I wouldn't feel anything. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Um, that happened multiple times. But yeah, other mental aspects, I'd say. I mean, you want to get back out there. Money is the, money is the biggest thing, though. You know, I, I was out mm-hmm. of money. I need to work. Um, luckily, I just got a job at an outfitter to continue the hiking. Oh, nice. Yeah, to continue. Oh, nice. I didn't even know that. We didn't talk about that. Well, uh, what What's the outfitter? Uh, it's called Moose Jaw. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a Metro Detroit kind of outfitter, but they're actually just bought by Walmart, which a lot of people kind of don't like. But Walmart recognized it's like, it's uh, it's more of like an online outfitter like you can go on we have stores around metro detroit they actually just opened one in denver i think um yeah really nice really nice gear selection uh if you want to check it out it's an online retailer um or you could show up to one of their store locations but they're mostly in michigan or midwest uh are you just going to be like on the floor just like doing like retail helping customers yeah helping them pick out gear which is what i'm kind of excited at least to do something around the hiking in the hiking community right right it's it's a nice community it's it's tough to yeah it's it's tough to go from you know being so i guess uh just involved with that obviously you're out there for four or five months and then to just come home and not not even talk about it like no one even like that's all you talk is hiking like and then like gear like how your day is all you talk about (laughs) where you're going like what you did yesterday where you're staying how you're feeling tonight like yeah it's just like yeah it's crazy then you get home and it's just like man i don't even know yeah you can't talk to really many people about it <laughs> so i mean that's why yeah it'd be nice to work at an outfitter i can you know give people tips on what to get all that kind of good stuff yeah that's that's kind of the the reason i'm trying to start this podcast is because like i knew i wanted to stay connected to the hiking community somehow i mean i'm, I'm always right. gonna be hiking but like i, I kind of wanted to to do something more so I figured, hey, I, I've never fucking made a podcast before, but I listened to so many podcasts when I was hiking. I just had this crazy experience, and uh, I want to stay involved with the uh, community, so why not start a fucking podcast? <laughs> it's a good idea. I was pumped when you told me about it. 
I'm stoked to hear you uh, You got that job and everything. Have you started yet? No. Waiting for a background check, crossing my fingers on that one. Hopefully I don't have any a unknown background warrants. check for yeah. an outfitter? Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. You, you, yeah. I feel like everywhere's got background checks these days. I don't know. Even for just like a retail? I don't know. I've never worked in retail, so I guess I don't really know. But... Oh, me neither. It's my first Damn. job in retail, so. But, yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't want to just be hiring, like, murderers and shit, you know? <laughs> it's kind of bad. This is true. People, this probably is true. Don't just, people probably don't just tell them that, you know? Right, right. Um, so, I guess, probably should have talked about this at, at the beginning instead of all that negative shit. But, um, so, like, what are just, like, such a general question, but what are some of, like, the highlights of your, of your through hike? Some of the things that you would kind of tell the people to persuade them into going on their own adventure on the AT. The highlights. The good days, the good the days. The good days. You talked about the bad days. Let's see. Well, every good day involved, well, the, some of the best days involve going, getting off the trail, to be honest. And like town. It's true. <laughs> just to eat, just to eat, you know, regular food again. Um, that's like probably... One of the most, one of the best feelings was just like, you know, taking a bite out of a hamburger. But that, that's like, it's nah, like you that's earned not it. all. Yeah, you earned it. You just busted ass like 45 miles over the past two days. You need that, you need that hamburger. That's like what you need. So um, that's always a great feeling. Um, on the trail though, uh, showing up, you like walk into camp and then you smell you're like you're, it's a late night, it's getting dark and someone had built a fire at the shelter. And that was always just like, you smell it walking up and you're just like, oh shit, someone's got the fire. Like, and then you kind of just notice your pace pick up as you, as you're getting closer. And then you're just like, fuck yeah, a fire. Cause that just never happens. Everybody's too tired. Um, some people always make fires. I've met very few of those people. Um, most people just. I don't even know how to make fires. So. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I, I personally made zero. So. Um, towards the end when it was getting cold. I gathered some firewood, but that was about yeah, it. Yeah, that was as close as it got. Uh, we actually left that to Classic. Uh, he was in our crew. Uh, he was... He was good at... Yeah, the, he was good at the fires. He was good at that. He, we just left that to him, you know. To his detriment, because we'd always make him do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the smell in the fires, that was a great one. Uh, all the sights, I mean, there's sights every day that are just beautiful, whether it be the forest or, a, you know, a rocky outcrop that's like overlooking a small, like a valley, um, rivers. I mean, it's all just, it's all awesome. And the fact that you're out there by yourself, like that kind of just had a lot more meaning to me. You're doing it by yourself. But then again, you, yeah, it's just all amazing. The beauty of nature, like how how powerful it can be, um, how it can almost kill you one second and then clear up within 10 minutes. And then it'll just be, you know, just a beautiful, beautiful scene. Uh, it's just like, it's unreal. You really get to know the, the true power of nature um, up close and personal. And you learn that it's a two-sided beast that... It has no regard for you, that's for sure. Do you have any particular parts of the trail in mind that were some of your favorites? Most beautiful? As far as scenery or any others? Yeah. yeah I'll start from like south that. to north. Um, Georgia, I'd already seen it once. I really, I, I loved it. Um, the trail is well maintained. It's great. Um, but I, I, I didn't really have any spots in Georgia that really stood out. Um, I really started in North Carolina. Um, that's where... You know, you get to, what is it, Mount Albert in the Wyabald. Um, it's like the first, like, wow moments for me on the trail. Um, and those were just like, damn, this is it. Like, I'm out here now walking to Maine. Like, I've already walked, like, over 100 miles. Like, this is, it's getting, it's getting going. And then uh, from there, Big Bald stood out. Um the whole big ball yeah, was big ball awesome. Was sick. That was one of my favorite spots. And then the whole Roan Highlands, I was just in awe uh, when I was hiking up over Roan Mountain. It was just a crazy thunderstorm, and like it all cleared up when I got to the Highlands. There was like rainbows coming down from the sky, and like it was just beautiful. Like it was really crowded, but I mean it's a free free camping on a bald. Like who's not going to go there? Um, so that was awesome. Hell yeah. Then getting into Virginia, the Grayson Highlands. Um, with the ponies, uh, the ponies, I wasn't like wild really with, but 
Some of them were like really obese. <laughs> I feel like people kind of hype up the ponies a lot. Yeah, they hype I mean, them cool, up. But don't get me wrong. Yeah, they but. were cool for sure. It's a little change of pace. You see some like fat horses walking around, but um, <laughs> uh, they were cool. Uh, that was gorgeous. Kind of like reminded me of like some biblical like uh, scenery. I, that's a quote I took from someone actually, but I liked it a lot. Um, <laughs> and then the rest of Virginia was kind of meh. I liked um, like three ridges. I liked the forest on the top of three ridges. That was gorgeous. That was a, also a really tough section of trail, just up and down, up and down. That's um, over by the priest, right? Yeah, the priest, and then three ridges is right after, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was just a tough section all around. That was when I was recovering from dehydration, so I was just like down and out, but still making it. And then um, getting up, nothing. I, I didn't really <laughs> like anything in the mid-Atlantic. Uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, mid Atlantic states. I liked how easy it was, but yeah, you pound out miles. scenery wise, not the most scenic section. Yeah, we we kind of ran through there for sure. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. New Jersey was pretty. I think New Jersey was my favorite section of the Mid Atlantic for sure. Through the uh, Delaware Water Gap, um, that was a fun section. Just a nice ridge line, straight ridge line. Not too tra- challenging or anything. Um. But provided nice, nice views. Honestly, I was surprised with how little kind of you didn't see like any towns or anything when you're walking through there. Like it had nice forest canopy view. Like, I mean, you didn't see many like establishments or mm-hmm. anything, which I didn't expect at all. Which is weird for New Jersey. Yeah, I, that's not something I would that, that definitely surprised me too. Yeah. Yeah. Because th- when I think of New Jersey, I just think of the interstate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, people from New Jersey. And then getting north is when things really started. I I mean, I'm from the north. I mean, I'm from the Midwest. But um, as far as, like, trees go, it's kind of more similar to the northeast, Um, like the forests. And I really enjoyed it. It kind of reminded me of home a little bit just with mountains, which is just even better. Like, I mean, fuck, throw mountains in any situation. Throw mountains in the desert. It's it's a cooler (laughs) desert for sure. So that was was nice. (laughs) Then it's not really a desert. Yeah, well, true. I mean, maybe it's a mountainous desert. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not from the West, so I can't really speak to that. Yeah. I really liked, uh, I mean, the whites, gorgeous. And then the whole time through Maine was just gorgeous, tough, but gorgeous. Like, like if I were to if I were to do a section, it would just, it would be from Maine, probably through Vermont, if you're doing like a, a large section of it. Um, if you're going to do a short one, I'd probably just do the whites. Like, I mean... Fuck. the white suit or the hundred mile or the hundred mile true the hundred mile it was it was it was tough for us because we were um for those of you who don't know the hundred mile wilderness is pretty much the last stretch of the trail going north so we kind of ran through the hundred mile wilderness we did like a number of like 20 plus mile days just to get through because we were just kind of you know we were at the end we wanted to to wrap it up but um yeah. if i were to go back hundred mile wilderness is freaking amazing um so beautiful some awesome views and it's, it's just a, it's just a great section i mean that that was probably my it's weird because mentally it definitely wasn't my favorite section because i was just kind of beating myself up to get to the end but uh just looking back on it uh scenery wise especially because we went through in the fall too so the leaves are starting to change which is awesome um hundred mile wilderness highly recommended in the summer, probably, I, w- I loved it during the fall because of the fall colors. That's something you don't see every day. But there's so many swimming holes that, like, during the, like, blazing hot summer would be great. Like, you could swim every day. That's so true, honestly, because there's so many, like, just lakes and streams yeah. through there. Oh, man. Um, I think I'm definitely going to go back and do that section again sometime. A little bit slower. Got to carry a lot of food, though, because that's the longest stretch on the whole Appalachian Trail without any, like, major road crossings. So... I mean, you you have to carry a hundred miles worth yeah. of food in one shot, which is just pretty tough for someone with a small pack like me. But hey, we got yeah. it done. Uh, it was about four and a half days we made four it through the hundred mile. Yep. Four and a half. We were cruising, <laughs> which I think is pretty common for through hikers at that point, because like I said, there you know you're at the end, you you can literally see Katahdin throughout spots in the hundred mile wilderness. You can literally see the end with your own two eyes. So yeah. you know you just kind of want to get it done, but. Yeah, my food bag too isn't even big enough to really hold much more than that. Like, I mean, twenty. I had a twenty liter Sea to Summit, and I couldn't fit much more than that. I had like two Cliff Bars left by the end. I, I was uh, I was definitely running pretty low by the end there. 
going through the uh, hundred mile. Such a good section though. Yeah, I, I really want to make it back there. It's so far away from like everything though. It's just up in the center part of Maine where there's just like nothing. I mean, so f I guess I guess it's kind of close to Bangor. It's a couple hours away from Bangor, Maine, which is kind of a city, but. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a city. I mean, that, that's that's hiking <laughs> for sure but yeah i see what you're saying yeah it's out there for sure the whole the whole section of the trail through maine is just like through the, the boonies really like i mean there's not a whole lot oh yeah not a whole sure. lot there that's something that's kind of like interesting how you go from like spots on the trail that are like very remote like you're you're going to these towns that are just like tiny i was calling bum ass towns just like in the middle of the mountains not to hate on anybody who lives in these towns the towns were all super beautiful and everybody was super nice but like and then you go through the mid-atlantic part where especially through parts of pennsylvania i remember there was one uh, i'm trying to think of it was the beginning to middle part of pennsylvania it's just it's just quite the opposite of that because there's so many roads and towns that you could pretty much resupply every single day if yeah. you really wanted we to. We didn't even do reason. that, but you could for sure. Trying to do like thirty mile days. I mean, if you want to spend yeah. even more money, I mean, there's there's one section. Oh, well, that's that what I'm saying. Right around it was right before we started hiking together, there's there's that one section from <clears throat> I'm trying to think. I think it was Fayetteville, Pennsylvania, which is right at the beginning of Pennsylvania. Um, up to yeah, about just before no, it was Duncannon actually, and that's where yeah, Andy two, and I started hiking from together. Fayetteville, like a two Delaware Water Gap. It was like a town every day. Yeah, like pretty much every single day. <laughs> I spent six nights in a row inside while still hiking full days in between. Yeah, I actually didn't, for the record, but uh, I, I met up with you guys right at the end of that, and then I probably got like two or two nights in a row. I think that was when we met. Uh, Joe, oh man, Joe, Joe had ash. Shout out to yeah. Joe. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, getting taken in by people. That's always good. Good part of the trail. Trail magic. Yeah, trail magic. We haven't talked about trail magic. Yeah. Did you have any other situations where just a random non-hiking person lets you like stay with them for a night? Yeah. The um, it was in Larray. Uh, Laray, Virginia, and um, we went. Me and two other guys, Captain and Rufio, went to this outfitter called Appalachian Trail Outfitters or Appalachian Outfitters. And Elise, the manager, Elise, uh, let us stay at her house. And they had like a spare rib dinner with like mashed potatoes and cranberry and the whole nine yards. And it was just, oh man, it was something we really needed at that moment. So. That really helped us out. They yeah. even had a pool so we could like go swimming. And uh, yeah, that was cool as fuck. It's crazy how nice people are out there. Not just the hikers, but the people that live in the communities that kind of surround the trail. Yeah. So when we were in, what was what was that town? Slatington, Pennsylvania, towards the center of uh Yeah, of by trail it was Walnutport um, and then off the trail, Slatington. Walnutport, yeah. So at the time, Indy was rocking... The dreadlocks still, you know, he's also got some, uh, a little bit of a, what do you even call it? Stretched ears, yeah. like, you know, just like the ear piercing, whatever. So not hating, but you know, it doesn't really look like the most clean cut guy in the world. The Definitely beard, not. The beard was no. pretty gnarly. Yeah, the and, beard, um, beard was getting long. For some reason, we all decided that we were going to go into this town, uh, Walnut Port, and we were just going to wing it. We didn't have a place to stay. There was no hostels, no hotels, and we were just going to try to set up somewhere we didn't have a place to stay which usually wasn't the case usually we would plan it out pretty well but um we got lucky because despite indy's rough appearance the uh, gentleman who picked him up when he was hitchhiking in actually let us stay at his house there's four of us um just this i just think it's so funny because this is joe is the name of the guy he's a very like clean cut white collar kind of dude and for some reason, he saw this uh, this hiker on the side of the road. He picked him up and somehow got coerced into letting four hey, smelly saw my ass hikers stay with him. He met my soft heart. So, yeah, that's right. Such a good guy. Have you talked to him at all since we got done? I know he sent uh, me a text message after we finished. Yeah, we've had a few. Not really since they got home, but um, since the conclusion of my hike. Yeah, we've talked. Good guy. Very kind heart. For sure. 
All right, Indy. Well, uh, this was a lot of fun. I think I'm going to kind of try to wrap things up a little bit here. I think we're at about 50 minutes. Um, So just quickly before we sign off here, um, what are your plans for like the future as far as uh, hiking goes? I know you talked to me about potentially doing a PCT through hike in the next couple of years. Uh, I plan on doing another through hike, probably two years just to give myself enough time to have enough money saved up. Um, But where I want to go, that's kind of the tough question. Um, I'm not sure... Even if I were to continue with the Triple Crown, I don't know if I'd want to do the CDT or the PCT next. Um, I kind of was thinking the CDT would be cool to do now just because I'm, I'm young. I'm in my best shape right now. Um, but also, and then it would be kind of nice to end with the PCT, but um, I don't know. And then I just saw that Chile, or Chile, uh, just uh, the CEO of North Face and uh, what's it called? Patagonia. They like bought up a bunch of land, like millions of acres of land, and turned them all into national parks, and then created this, uh, you know, ultra long trail through Chile, southern Chile. So that would be awesome through Patagonia all the way to the to the tip, which is Cape Horn. Um, that's like seventeen hundred miles. So that's on the on the uh, on the list as well. So maybe that one. Who knows? So. Oh yeah. Well, we're all we're, we're both pretty young still. We've got plenty of time to be doing uh, more through hikes. So it's cool. Um, yeah, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I think it went pretty well for my very first podcast. Oh yeah, dude. Thanks ever. for having me. For sure, man. Um, do you want to shout out any uh, social media links just at the end here so people can uh, follow you on Instagram or whatever? Yeah. If you want to follow me on my future hikes, you can follow me at uh, it's forest underscore triow and triow is spelled T-R-E-E-O-W. Long story behind that. It uh, doesn't make much sense to the average person, but uh, yeah, uh, just we'll leave. We'll just drop that. Cool beans. Cool. Awesome. All right, Indy, uh, stick around here so we can kind of go over a couple more things. But uh, thanks for everybody that listened, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. So yeah, yeah have a good one, guys. Off now.